0: Turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind, with beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. Head to squarespace.com slash myths for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code myths ...to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This week on Myths and Legends, it's a fairy tale collected by the Grimm Brothers... ...about three guys who got unlimited wishes, wealth, and armies... ...but were outsmarted by a princess at every turn. The creature this week is a vicious carnivorous land whale... ...who exclusively eats people who care about the environment. This is Myths and Legends... Episode 186, Don't Be Weird. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you'd think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. So, before we jump into things today, we should talk about something. I can count on one hand the number of times we've talked about current events on this podcast, And they include such relevant and hard-hitting topics like referencing Pokemon Go and the killer clown panic of 2016. I made a decision early on not to talk about current events or overtly discuss politics. This podcast is meant to be a place where you can step away from the daily news cycle, enjoy a story, and maybe learn something new about a different culture. But this is a different time. I hope you know where we stand on a lot of issues just by the way we've chosen to tell these stories throughout the years. We've tried to be inclusive, always moving narratives forward, and challenging racism, misogyny, and anti-Semitism, to name a few. It's important to tell these stories in a way that doesn't encourage the prejudices of the past to persist. However, storytelling is inherently political, and there are times when silence is louder than words. Times when you can't not say something, Because that's exactly what allows injustice and inequality to continue. To move forward, we need to look at the narratives in our own lives and in our own societies. Letting hate go unchallenged allows hate to stay longer. So, we're making it clear. Myths and Legends stands against violence and hate and racism towards the black community and people of color. From start to finish, this podcast is just the two of us, Carissa and me but we're learning that even a couple of normal people can make a difference and reach people. We hope that if enough people come together now and speak out against hatred, that we can challenge the reality of our past and move the human narrative forward in a way that embraces justice and equality. The three men had seen better days. The war, the war that was supposed to bring them glory and riches, had left them worse off than when they joined. They couldn't even make it home without begging on the road. Still, they stuck together. After all they had been through, they were like brothers. During the day, they walked and begged, and when they were lucky, ate. At night, they kept watch, lest an animal attack or a thief come to steal what little they had. On the first watch of the night, one of the soldiers built a fire and sat back against the tree. He looked out in the darkness of the forest, and then to the elf in red sitting by his fire, and then back to the... Wait. He jumped when he looked at the elf, sitting there by the fire. The creature looked up to him with a grin. Hey, oh, whoa, don't worry. There are sinister evil creatures, and there are cool ones that give gifts. I'm the latter, and it's not even like a monkey's paw thing. You guys were brave, and you were good. You fought, and the king that you fought for left you to fend for yourself after you gave him victory. It shouldn't be like that. Here, the elf handed him a cloak, saying that this was special. Put it over your shoulders, and anything you wish for will be done for you. The man thought he might be dreaming, but the elf told him to take a look at it in the light of day. After a night of watches, the three men snapped awake. They had news. After a very polite but a little insufferable, no, you go first, no, you go first, the first man finally took the initiative and presented his cloak. He said he knew this sounded crazy, but a magical elf had come to him in the night and said that this would give him anything he wished for. The soldier who did the second watch said that it wasn't crazy because he had the exact same thing. Well, not the same thing. His was a purse. Not a purse purse, but like a coin pouch. He said that the elf had come to him as well, saying stuff about how they had been treated unfairly and weren't paid. Apparently, if he just dipped his hand into this, he would always pull out a handful of gold. Oh, the third soldier said. The other two turned to him. What What did he get? He sighed. He said that the elf remarked that they didn't get the love or recognition that they deserved, so he got a, a horn. If he played it, a crowd would come. The other two looked. Oh, so... Yeah, so exactly like a normal musical instrument, soldier number three remarked. The other two patted him on the back. Hey, there was no reason to be sad. Look, they were brothers in arms, and they shared in the horrors of battle. They would share their blessings now. First up, the soldier with the cloak put it over his shoulders. What say he give this a spin? The other two smiled. He pointed on the horizon. Castle, orchards, stables, way too many horses. And, like magic, because it was magic, those things blinked into existence. The second soldier, soldier number two, purse soldier, dipped his hand into the bag. He pulled out a fistful of gold. He handed it to his friends and pulled out another, which he also handed to the other soldiers. He pulled out fist after fist of gold, spilling it on the ground until he had a pile the size of which none of the three men ever thought they would see in their lifetimes. A servant drove by, pulling a carriage drawn by three dapple gray horses. He pulled up to them. He saw them standing there. Did his masters want a ride to their home? As they got into the gilded carriage, soldier number three asked the man, did he, like, always exist, or was he taken from somewhere else? Is he five minutes old? The servant shrugged. He didn't know. Those don't seem like questions we should concern ourselves with. Ah, here we are. Home. And they were home. Inside, there were countless servants to tend to the soldiers' every whim. They had people come from afar to clothe them in the latest fashions. They had the best chefs in the kitchens, despite everyone being only a few days old, I guess. And most importantly, they had each other. When they learned more about the area, they found that they were close to a kingdom. The three agreed. Let's be good neighbors and go say hi. Well, as it turned out, the three young men were about the same age as the king's daughter, a princess. And the king, seeing three guys roll up in a gilded carriage, assumed that the three men were royalty because who else has the gall to drive around in a gilded carriage in a time of pestilence and starvation? He invited them in. It was there that the trouble started the three soldiers were mingling among the nobility. But the middle soldier, soldier number two, the one with the purse, was off exploring the palace. There, he ran into the princess, and she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. And he froze. She asked, how was he doing? He smiled and nodded. He, food, uh, fine, good. How are you? She pursed her lips and nodded. well, she should be getting back to the party. I have a magic purse, the soldier blurted. The princess blinked. Pardon? He held up the purse. It gives me all the gold I could ever want. Want to see? The princess nodded. Okay. Three handfuls of gold later, and a long explanation about the elf and cloak and horn, the princess had warmed up to the man. Hey, did he like wine? He said that he didn't really drink much on account of being destined t- 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 being shoot. Why wouldn't someone drink wine in the Middle Ages when they had every reason to? (gasps) He loved dysentery. Nope. The princess laughed. He was so funny. Here, how about some wine? Hey, soldier number two? The voice knocking at the door called. It's time to go. Soldier number two? Soldier number two snorted awake. Was that soldier number one? What time was it? He blinked and looked around the room. The gold all around shimmered in the candlelight, and he rose, his hand grazing the velvet of the couch. He cracked his back as he walked over to the door. Hey, bud, time to go, soldier number one said. You, you all right? Soldier number two said that he was just groggy. He had been drinking wine with the princess, and he guessed he had fallen asleep. Soldier number one glanced around the room. Oh, look at you. Is she still in there? I want to say hi. I didn't get to meet her. Soldier number two shook his head. No, he had woken up alone. They hit it off well. He told her about the... Just then, his hand felt his purse, or the lack of the purse. Oh, no. The three men found the king, still hanging out and entertaining guests. At first, he thought they were joking. His daughter stole their purse. You realize we're medieval royalty, right? We don't have any need for your purse. The three demanded that the king force his daughter to give it back. It was very valuable to them. The king, annoyed that he had to get up, rolled his eyes, and found his daughter's chamber. She yawned and rubbed the sleep from her eyes when three men and her dad arrived at her door. The king, swaying in the doorway, blinked and said that these guys, something about a purse, did you take a purse? She gasped. She would never. She hadn't even met these men tonight. The king turned. She said she didn't do it. What more did they want? It was just a purse. They probably just misplaced it downstairs. Soldier number one stepped forward. He said that they didn't misplace it. She stole it. I understand that you believe that that's true, the princess interjected, Would you like to search my room? I don't want to be inhospitable, and I want to clear my name. The king clapped his hands. There, problem solved. If she somehow ended up with it, it'll be there. If not, look for it downstairs. Now, if they would excuse him, he had his kingly duties to get back to. The king bowed low, threw up in his mouth a little bit, and stumbled back down to the ballroom. The princess smiled. Her servants roused from the anteroom and she gestured to the three soldiers to search to their heart's content. She smirked, they sneered, and they parted ways without searching the room. We gotta get it back, Soldier No. 2 said, pacing around Soldier No. 1's hangar sized room. Don't you worry about it. Like we said, we're in this together, Soldier Number One said with a smile. He flung his cloak around his shoulders. He will be back in a second. He said his wish, and in an instant, it was granted. He was standing in the princess's bedroom. Now, teleporting yourself inside a young woman's bedroom without her knowledge or consent sounds bad. Even under the most justified circumstances, But maybe, you know, to stop a thief and to get back an item that secures the livelihood of you and those you care about, and if you get in and get out and don't linger and be weird, maybe it's less bad. Unfortunately, soldier number one just had to linger and be weird. He found himself in the ornate, perfumed bedroom of the princess and saw her laying on her bed in her nightclothes pouring out gold on top of her using the purse. You might think, hey, grab that thing and go, or at least hide. He wasn't thinking about that. He was only thinking about the beautiful princess laying on her bed and pouring gold onto herself. Then, she met his eyes and screamed. Once again, he didn't have the presence of mind to just snatch the purse and teleport home. He tried to calm her, but before he could say much, the door exploded inward and the castle guards were in the room. Soldier number one shrieked, and forgetting that he was wearing a means of teleporting out of there, made for the window. The guards rushed the man, and reached out to grab him just as his feet left the edge of the window. Soldier number one splashed down hard in the moat, after falling a few stories, and soaked and stinking, pulled himself to the edge. (laughs) Ha ha, got away. He closed his eyes and wished he was back home. And then he felt an arrow miss his head by an inch. His eyes snapped open and he looked up to the wall. There, a guard held his cloak. They grabbed it as he had jumped. He looked to wade across the moat and climb back up, but more guards were rushing from the castle. If he didn't leave now, he wouldn't be able to leave. As the arrows thudded into the ground following the retreat of soldier number one, the princess smiled from her window. She knew this cloak's power, and it was all hers now. Soldier number one returned home, downcast. It was over then. They only had a massive castle and piles of gold that they had socked away. We, we also have my horn? Soldier number three said. Soldiers number one and two sighed. Hey, so they were being nice. That thing is basically useless. Soldier number three said that he had thought so too. But he had been thinking of a new song. Check this out. We'll see what soldier number three has in mind, but that will be right after this. There were screams from the village, as the common people tried to rush into the castle. They had already pulled the drawbridge up. The enemy. The enemy was at the gate. Out, among the thousand mounted warriors and four times as many foot soldiers, three men sat atop their horses. They weren't dressed in armor. They hadn't wished for that before losing their stuff. But the army they commanded made up for that. Yeah, apparently the horn not just summoned happy concert goers, but, depending on the song, could summon armed forces as well the three soldiers rode into town and up to the walls of the castle and announced their terms. A cloak and a purse. The king said, yes, yes. Wait, are you those guys? Soldier number three smiled and waved to his royal buddy. But soldier number two slapped his hand. They were being threatening. Yes, and if he didn't bring the purse and the cloak out, they would be forced to send in their army to get it. The king panicked and said that he would have it. Please, just be merciful. He ran back inside. He arrived ten minutes later, empty-handed. He said that he was having trouble locating the stuff. And his daughter. Could he have until the morning? He looked out on the thousands of warriors ready to storm his city. In the morning, if he didn't have the items, he would surrender the city. The three soldiers agreed and set up camp for the night. And yeah, the king wasn't bluffing. He couldn't find his daughter, because she was already in the enemy camp. When she saw the three soldiers at the head of an army approach, she knew that they were using the magical horn, the third and final item that the elf had given them. She put the magical purse back in its hiding place, threw the cloak over her shoulders, and in moments, she was outside the soldiers' camp, as their men received word that they were to set up for the night. But, She wasn't the beautiful princess clothed in silk. She was a hunched old woman in tattered clothes. She even transformed the cloak itself so that it could hide in plain sight. Those soldiers hadn't had any idea what they had or how to use it. The people of the soldiers' camp shooed the woman away who, cloak open, showed them all sorts of trinkets and baubles she had for sale. She moved from campfire to campfire all night long, making a few sales, yeah, but also becoming invisible there were others selling among the invading soldiers, so she just had to become one of the crowd. That's how, in the early hours of the morning, and well within any perimeter guards were watching, the princess slipped into the tent of soldier number three, took the horn that hung on the wall, whispered a wish in the cloak to make a decoy which she hung on the wall, and teleported back to her bedroom. In the morning, the three soldiers sat atop their horses before the castle, The time had come. Soldier number one boomed to the king. Produce the purse and the cloak, or your dynasty ends today. The king hung his head. And then a horn blast came from within his castle walls. The soldiers surrounding the soldiers, the three soldiers, shook their head. Blinked. What were they doing here? Soldier number three scrambled to his horn and blew it. But it was just sad little flat notes. He yelled out that as their commander, he ordered that they return to their positions and attack. The soldiers gestured some things to the main three and then left. In a few minutes, it was just the three soldiers standing before the gate. They smiled awkwardly and bolted before the king could get enough archers on the wall. Back home, sure, they had their massive house, but that was it. Without the cash from the purse they couldn't hope to support the hundreds of people they had working for them. People like the driver, the guy who was created just a few weeks ago for the sole purpose of serving these three soldiers now had some massive existential questions to deal with and also had to find a new job because him and everyone else were let go. Weeks passed and then months and seeing as they were persona non grata in the nearby town, the three soldiers had no way of making money. They were starving in their massive castle. Worse off than even the day that the elf had found them. One morning, they found soldier number two packing his things. He told the other two that it had been fun, but it was time for them to make their own way in the world now. He loved them, and they would always be his brothers. But after everything that happened, he was just too angry. Maybe they would meet up again. But he wanted things to end on good terms. He didn't want to grow to hate them. They understood, and they let him go hoping that someday, somehow, they would see him again. The time came that the other two needed to either starve or leave, so they, too, chose to go. They weren't a week out, when soldier number three tripped in the road. What's that? They looked. Crossing the road and going into the forest on either side was a snake. But, like, a snake with human skin, and, no, it was... Kind of porous, in that it had pores, and it had two ridges on the bottom of it. Is that a nose? Soldier number one asked, and after a lot of walking, sure enough, it was an impossibly long human nose. They found one end of it, the tip of the nose, and so they followed it over the river and through the woods and over three more rivers and a field, and who was on the other end but Soldier number two? He was lying there groaning and sunburnt. Soldier number one? Soldier number three? Is that, is that you guys? I need help, guys. A couple days ago, he had chanced upon an apple tree in the woods. It was a great find, seeing as they had all been starving, so he filled his pack with apples and continued on his way. Well, those apples contained some surprises, and not the good kind that you like. He devoured three apples for his dinner that night, and then laid down for bed. He freaked out the following morning, when he thought it was a snake in his camp. But it wasn't. It was his nose. He coiled it like a hose, and wrapped it around his shoulder, before having two more apples for breakfast, and continuing on. The nose became too heavy to carry around day two, and he collapsed completely on day three. He knew he was only prolonging the problem, but he only had the apples in his pack. So even though it just made his nose heavier, he had no choice but to ration them until he found help. And now his help had found him. His buddies nodded. Sure, okay. You know what? They could figure this out. After trying to pull his quarter mile long nose like a garden hose and catching a donkey and then subsequently almost killing a donkey by piling hundreds of pounds of nose on its back, they were out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, you guys really messed this up the three soldiers heard from behind them. They shrieked and saw the elf in the red cloak standing there. I gave you unlimited wealth, a teleportation cloak, and a way to make an army from nothing. And it was stolen by one person who had none of those things, the elf noted. You know, I should let her keep them. She actually earned it. But I'll give you guys another chance. Those apples are my apples. And there's an antidote to the, like, anaconda nose thing he pointed to a pear tree. That pear tree, yes, the one right next to them. The same as all the other ones that soldier number two had passed on the way here. If he ate those pears, his nose would go back to normal. He didn't want to overdo it though and get like a skeleton nose thing. The soldiers asked why the elf even had those? Like, why plant multiple trees to make people's noses grow super long and then shrink? The elf narrowed his eyes He didn't have to explain himself to them. This wasn't the only thing he had going on. After eating the pears, soldier number two, sore and very much in need of a shower and some salt for the underside of his nose, rose. And now I have given you the tools you need in order to get your magical items back. The soldiers looked at each other. Pinocchio fruit? How would that help them get their stuff back? The elf pinched the bridge of his nose. You know if he was talking to the princess, she would have figured this out by now. She did all of her stuff with a cup of wine. The rest of it was just unforced errors on the part of the soldiers. All right, circle up. Here's the plan. Knock, knock, the princess's maid said. The princess turned. The maid announced that There's a guy out in the courtyard, a gardener's boy, he calls himself. Though he's really more of a full grown man. He says that he has some apples for you. And I know guys are always popping by with stuff, wanting to wing your hand and all that. And that apples are probably the least impressive gifts so far. But these apples actually look, quote, fine and beautiful as were never seen here before. They're the talk of the village. People were freaking out about how good these apples looked. Not a lot going on in the Middle Ages, is there? The princess asked. There is not, the maid replied. Anyway, did the princess want some apples? The princess sighed. Sure. Send them up. Not only did the apples look great, but they tasted great too. She ate a few of them and then went to bed. For the following week, no one saw or heard from the princess at all. Then... A call went out to all doctors, healers, and why not wizards. The princess was ill with a strange malady, and she needed help. So, who should show up but soldier number one in a doctor's coat with one of those shiny reflective head things? He passed the king a vial, and since taking potions from people who say they're doctors and or wizards is a very smart thing to do, the king gave it to his daughter. In one night, the weight of her elephant nose dropped by half the healer was brought back. He had more medicine, in which he passed along to the princess. In the day since they had cured soldier number two, they had been distilling the apples and pears down into potions. When the princess drank the potion she received from the doctor the next day, her elephant nose grew ten times longer. Her bedroom was now more nose than room. The following morning, the doctor returned and found himself looking at spear points. The, his medicine hadn't worked. He nodded. He was afraid of that. He needed to speak with the princess directly. Hello, princess, the princess heard. She fluffed the nose underneath her so that she could get comfortable and looked to the door. Hello. Oh, hi. Soldier number one smiled. He said that he was a wizard, of course. It looked like one of his potions had worked, but ooh, the other one that was supposed to cure her only made things worse. She nodded. Yes, yes it did. Soldier number one produced a vial from his pack. This should do it, but ah, something was working against his magic. The princess sat back against her nose beanbag chair. And what was working against his magic? Soldier one, who still thought that he was just nailing this deception, asked if the princess had stolen something recently. The princess smirked. Yes, yes she had. The faux physician gasped. Well, then she must return those things right away. The princess nodded. Yep, that's where she thought this was going. First, the antidote. The physician dug through his pack and found the distilled pear, the one that would turn the princess back. He was about to hand it to her when he pulled his arm back. How did he know that she would honor the agreement? She replied that it was magic, right? The potion wouldn't work until she confessed and returned the items. The physician glanced from side to side. Yes, that's right. He handed her the vial. She pointed underneath his feet. If he moved her coiled nose to the side and went three stones up and two stones left from the door, he would find a loose one. Underneath that were the things that she stole. As the physician counted the stones, the princess continued, yeah, The three guys she stole these from were just, like, complete idiots. She was one princess, and she outsmarted them when they had the power to make all their wishes come true. How incompetent do you need to be? The physician chuckled awkwardly. "Uh, uh, he, He bet they were smart, honest mistakes. All right, come on. The princess said she didn't even need to use the items, really. Gold, she had it. Power, people to attend to her every whim. She was medieval royalty. An army, once again, royalty. The princess just did it for fun, really. Maybe when they had their stuff back, they'd be a little smarter with it next time. The physician scooped it up and said that he would take it to the affected parties. The princess drank the potion, and in moments, her room was no longer filled with nose. As the physician walked off, not realizing that he actually didn't ask any details about the one she had stolen from, and thus had thoroughly blown his cover, The princess and her maid watched from the window. There's no shame in being beaten by the best, the princess said. The maid turned to her mistress. They didn't seem like the, I said there's no shame in being beaten by the best. As for our heroes, they mainly kept to themselves, but seeing as each other's friendship was all they really wanted, they lived happily ever after. Oh, and they did not try to mess with princesses ever again. this story because everyone ends up okay in the end. The princess probably went on to live the life of medieval royalty and the three soldiers, though pleasantly clueless, went on to live a life as buddies in a castle even to the point where they could rehire that old, existentially devastated driver. Next week we're returning to the heroes returning from the Trojan War and we'll see how Agamemnon fares when he returns home to his wife who's still a little upset about the whole sacrificing their daughter thing. Oh, and his new mistress from Troy, Cassandra, really does not help the situation. The creature this time is the Slide Rock Bolter, a fearsome critter from Colorado in the United States. Now, the actual creature isn't as interesting as the story behind it. And that's saying something, because the creature is a giant carnivorous whale, who hooks itself to the top of mountains with its tail, waiting for an unsuspecting tourist to hike underneath it, to let go, slide down, and eat them, using its own copious amounts of saliva as lubricant, and then uses its motion to slide back up a nearby mountain, hook its tail, and wait some more. There was only one time in history when someone actually got the slide rock bolter. A local forest ranger set up a tourist scarecrow of sorts, with a plaid Norfolk jacket and a guidebook to Colorado, a hungry slide rock bolter, unable to restrain itself, took the bait. Unfortunately for the slide rock bolter, and the mining town of Rico, Colorado, the dummy was rigged with enough explosives to take out the slide rock bolter, and the mining town of Rico, Colorado. We could stop there, and this would be a normal creature of the week. But there is so much more to this story. In the 1800s, there was a gold rush in Colorado, and even though the land belonged to the Ute peoples, a Native American group. The US government wanted it. Surprise. O'Ray and his wife Chipita, the leaders of the Ute, had a son go missing during battle with the Sioux. Felix Bruneau came and said, Hey, we found your son. All you need to do to get him back is to sign over 3.7 million acres. The leaders did that. And Bruneau, the US Commissioner of Indian Affairs, to show you how deep the corruption goes, produced a child who looked nothing like them and didn't even speak their language. And despite their extortion of grieving parents' devastation, not even paying off for the parents, the agreement was still binding. And the U.S. started mining. And they stopped mining. In 1893, a silver panic hit the mining town of Rico, which had swelled to a population of 5,000. And the businesses closed. The mining operations in the area went belly up. And by 1900, the population in the town was around 800. With the fall of one industry, another took its place logging. And it took only 10 years before the area that supported the Utes for hundreds of years was devastated by deforestation. And surprise, conservationists were not happy. That's why, in the stories told among the loggers, the people doing the deforesting, the victims of the slide rock Boulder were always tourists from out east. The same people that were coming in and saying, hey, maybe don't cut down all the forests. It's unclear whether or not the creature was created to try to scare visitors away, or if eating environmentalists was just wishful thinking on the part of the loggers and logging companies. When it comes to the town of Rico, you have to think about the timeline of the loggers coming in. They arrived a decade or so after Rico's heyday. So, they only saw a crumbling old mining town, whose destruction dovetailed with the story of the slide rock boulder. In the end, it wasn't the explosion of a carnivorous land whale that doomed the town of Rico, but time and capitalism. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. I want to say thanks again to Magoosh for sponsoring us this week. Magoosh Online Test Prep provides students with effective, accessible, and enjoyable test prep for major exams like the GRE. GMAT, LSAT, MCAT, and SAT or ACT. You'll get tons of up-to-date and relevant practice questions, study schedules, video lessons, and access to expert tutors for help. If you're retaking the test you're studying for, Magoosh offers a score improvement guarantee or your money back. Visit Magoosh.com, that's M-A-G-O-O-S-H and enter the promo code LEGENDS for a special 20% off discount. Alright, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.